And we are back. What is going on? Crossing Broadcast back as always with Kyle Scott, with Russell Joy, and I am Adam Lefko. Hope you guys are great. Uh, Fourth of July was yesterday. I think we're all a little messed up and tired from it. I don't know if it's from fireworks or what you guys ate or what you guys drank, but Holy crap, we've missed a lot. Uh, Markel Fultz played his first game in Utah. He looked fantastic. Uh, uh, some of the other players looked really good as well. Uh, we officially have J.J. Redick for $23 million on one year. We officially have Amir Johnson. Holy crap. Um, Jamie Horowitz has been fired. Uh, Gordon Hayward is on the Celtics. Uh, a little bit of things have happened, so I hope you guys have been good. Hey, this is what happens when we... Don't do a show for, for four days. Everything happens in every one of the categories and verticals that we talk about every show. And uh, we didn't talk about it. So we got a lot to cover today, I guess. There's a ton uh, I love cover. the way, by the way, before we get on here, like if you're listening to this, you're like, oh, wow, they don't sound like they're half asleep. Before Adam like tees it up to go live... We are like mumbling to each other. We sound like like some sort of like weird pillow talk. I would put it at as in terms of like level and volume. And then you you know you bring it in. You up your energy by about a good forty percent. And uh, I feel like I snap out of it and into a normal human being just just by the tones of your voice. So That's um, so sweet. See that Adam? Yeah. You, you really bring some joy to his day. I can see that. You're Perfect. welcome. Before we uh, totally get get going, I think it's important to recap the Fourth of July. And something did that, you set that, off fireworks in Hickland? Um, first of all, I don't live in Hickland. Uh, second of all, no, I didn't have fireworks last night. We hosted a nice get together, and I I did not buy uh, fireworks. And apparently, our township does not do fireworks, which really really stinks. Um, anyway. This came up once before in passing, and I don't think people totally caught on to it. Both of these other guys have given up meat. And it is... Relatively, it is, Kyle's a cheater. And it is... I, I find it to be somewhat upsetting, as somebody who can't go a, probably a, a single meal without there being some form of meat... Um, Try to get me on a salad, and I'm putting chicken on that bad boy. Try to get me to make pasta. I got to have something on there. Uh, these guys have given up meat, and I, I need them to explain a little bit. And we need to talk about the 4th of July. If you don't have meat, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, and the 4th of July rolls around, what do you do? How do you live, Kyle? Uh yeah, I'll go first because Adam's more hardcore, so I'll, I'll let him. Uh, he's more discussion-worthy. I watched on uh, – I'm, I'm very simple here. I watched the What the Health documentary on Netflix. In addition to having watched other food documentaries on there over the years, What the Health one's pretty new, came out in June. Uh, I think it was featured you – know, I don't know. It may have just been featured for me. Who knows? But it looked like it was one of their like main documentaries of the month. Uh it was the guy, by the guy who did Cowspiracy, which I never saw. It was apparently a big one. And it, they talked to a ton of doctors, like cardiologists from the Cleveland Clinic, like not quacks, like actual like respected doctors from, from uh, you know, notable institutions, and really laid out the case why, why red and processed meat, you know, lunch meat and stuff, and then red meat is just so bad for you for not just your arteries, but, you know, there's also been links to cancer, especially with the processed meats. Uh 
how certainly with diabetes, uh, you know, that's not something I worry about as much, but certainly with diabetes and certainly with health and just like overall health. And then they went into why chicken really like the marketing campaigns for chicken and dairy are so good that they have people believing they're that much better than red meat. And in reality, they're really not like chicken has almost every bit as much cholesterol, even just in a piece of like white breast meat. So I would tell everybody, I'm not one of these people like sees a documentary and then goes and changes my life. Like this isn't. That's literally for what me. you did, though. I know it is. It is. Um, but it's. <laughs> I, I watch a lot of documentaries. I'm not one of those like, people that watches documentary and then completely <laughs> changes his diet. Oh, hey Kyle, what's new? I uh, just saw this documentary and completely changed my diet. <laughs> Fair, um, but it, I watch a lot, and you know, most of the time, like I get taken with a grain of salt. Understand, you know, someone's got a thing. Some are better than others. This was super well done super convincing and you know i spent a little time doing some research after it to make sure like it wasn't one of those things where it was like everything in the documentary was was untrue because the guy who did it was a vegan and it, that was not the case so we i have not gone complete vegan is a, is a long story short but i'm trying as much as humanly possible to choose some uh the veggie plant-based food if I if given the choice. Now that said, we still had like we get meal subscriptions and we. How many hamburgers after, did you eat yesterday? I had one. I had one. How many hot so dogs? You, uh, not even a full one. Not the hot. I overcooked the hot dogs. My hamburgers yesterday were good on the grill. We had family, Overco- so see, that's the, the that, Russ. Dog. That's the big issue. He's overcooking hot dogs over that, here. I like so my hot hard. dog cr- crispy a little and. The grill got real hot with the burgers, and I was more. Con- I'm always more concerned with the burgers and making yeah, well sure then, they are. Then you well go cooked. indirect indirect heat with the hot dogs, or you use no, you, the Russ. You go use, indirect heat with no, nothing. No, you are. You don't know. No, what, you, you're you, a novice. No, you don't. No, you don't know what you're doing. Because <laughs> if you were it, smart it, about it, if if you're worried that your grill is too hot because you want to get nice caramelization on your burger, then you use the little rack up above that's typically reserved for veg. And you let your hot dogs sit up there indirect. And then when you're ready, you can drop them down onto the, the heat of the grill, assuming that you haven't been a man and made 30 cheeseburgers down below. In which case, by the time you're done those 30 cheeseburgers, those puppies up top are going to be nice and crispy and wonderful. So yes, Kyle, I do know what I'm talking about. And I find it to be at least somewhat reprehensible that you would question my grill Kyle knowledge. likes a charred dog. Ugh. Yeah, I do. By the way, Kyle, it would have been better to put them on the warming rack and to be able to eat them than to put them down on your direct heat like a goober and have you know. It's good to see that you guys can still battle about stuff, and it's good that Kyle can still spend. Kyle could still still spend five minutes explaining something that takes five seconds. Uh, I'm doing this (laughs) because uh, I ate like shit on Memorial Day weekend, and I had a lot of ribs, and I felt like crap, and I was sitting around with my girlfriend, and we were like, hey, let's go healthy, and then we're both really competitive, so that turned into how healthy can we be, and I haven't had meat in 15 days, Uh, or egg, or chicken. Um, I'm just, for, for all the people out there, uh, I'm taking a lot of protein, vegan protein, and I'm working out still, and it's a little bit harder. Uh, but I'm just doing it for 30 days. I just want to see if I can do it. I like to challenge myself with weird shit like that. And um, yeah, I'm really sick of fucking vegetables at this point. Like I'm the tired. vegan protein is that seton or whatever? No, Sit- fuck that. That's the thing that I've realized, Russell and Kyle, is that vegans. Stop with the fucking fake meat. Like, that's what that seitan is. Or And I'm yeah. definitely not eating tofu because I don't want soy in my body like that. I'm not trying to get boobs. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they, Satan and all that shit is just like 
compressed carbs. Like, no, like I'm just going to eat black beans. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm farting a lot. Which is cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like having that in my arsenal. Well, now you just excited Kyle, who's, uh, you know, a, a fecal fanatic. No, oh, I've yeah. been... Kyle, Kyle loves all farts and poop and dicks. I've been having a lot of the black the black beans, too. And, yeah, it, it, it changes your, 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 walking, your walking weapon with, with yeah, that the, stuff. Yeah, the main, the main thing, though, like, the hardest thing is, like, when you, when you eat like this, like I didn't eat a hamburger yesterday and a hot dog. I've already told these guys that when I break in 30 days or now 15 days, I'm eating the biggest bacon cheeseburger ever. I'm going to be very excited. But like the hard thing is, is not judging other people's food. Like when I go out to eat and I just see people eating like shit and then I look at them and they're always like, I mean, I exercise and I want to be like, dude, like... Maybe because you just had like two chili cheese fries, bro. Uh, so so it's guys, it's hard to not judge people, to be honest. How do you guys feel? Do you feel any better? Oh, I feel great. Adam, do you know what blood type you are? Work with me on this. I really, I don't. Unfortunately, I think I'm AB, but I don't know. Okay. Kyle, do you know? Uh, no. Damn it. Now I feel like a piece of shit. Okay. I got to learn that. So... <laughs> There's a. I, I was just wondering because I remember you were saying that you feel so much better. And there, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the blood type diet, but the, oh boy. I, I looked into and this. Russ is getting out no, there listen, now. I listened. No, no, no. This is like an actual thing. But like, I looked into it years ago, and I, I have the worst diet based on what my blood type is. Like, I, I think I'm supposed to eat like mostly vegetables and legumes and avoid at all costs meat. And well, I'm pretty sure that's go, the ideal diet for everyone, regardless of your blood type. I just go totally counter to it. So I, that that would be an interesting thing. You guys need to look up your blood types and then... Crossing Broadcast, the only podcast that tells you about all the huge sports news that happened in the last four <laughs> days and then spends eight minutes talking about diet. Uh, just by, to, to Russ's point, Russ, though, you're the blood type. Like, that is... You just made the cage for the vegetarian, vegan person. Like, the, the whole... The whole point of it is that, like, any meat, including, like, chicken and pork, it's just not, it's not necessary, it's not needed. Apparently, the only thing you can't get by eating vegetables, like, plant-based food, I should say, not just vegetables, happiness. is B12, uh, which you can actually get in, like, cereal, like Cheerios, like, a, like just a Crossing a Broadcast, the only podcast that knows <laughs> it's talking about things you don't care about, and then goes, hey, one more point. 610. Kyle Scott, Kyle Scott. AKA, I got one more point about this dead topic. All right. Uh, hold on. We need to talk about JJ Reddick first. Where were you when it happened? What was your reaction? Because we didn't talk since this happened. Did you know he was vegan? Stop. <laughs> <Just> stop. <laughs> don't go spreading rumors about the poor guy, all right? We're, we're happy he's here. Yeah, I don't even respect don't myself, and I'm vegan. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm thrilled. Like, I'm, I'm, I think this is awesome. And and I've seen a lot of people, like including like family members or you know whatever people like twenty three twenty three million for JJ Reddick like what? But you like I had to like to some people you feel like you got to explain like look the Sixers have so much cap space this year that they could they could have paid him forty million and it really wouldn't have mattered. And my guess is they paid him almost as much as he would have got on a two year deal elsewhere. So it works out for everybody. The Sixers get a respectable shooting guard, uh, the three-point shooter they need to space the floor, a veteran leader that they've really been looking for and is needed. Um, you get him for one year. 
he gets two years worth of money, so he gets an, the ability after next season to go out and get another contract. So if, for Redick, it actually works out. I know people are like, I can't believe he accepted a one-year deal. But for him, he essentially got another chance to make money. For the Sixers, I'm not convinced that like if all goes well and they're able to land another free agent next year, that they wouldn't bring Redick back on a, on a slightly lesser different sort of deal for two years after that. Um, so I think this is just all good. It's going to put a good product on the floor this year. It will help the team grow, and I would not be opposed at all to the Sixers using Redick in a role that they plan or would like to use Clay Thompson in in one to two years. Uh, when they so, Russ, where were, where were you, Russ, when you heard? What was your reaction? I was at a friend's house. We took the kids swimming. Um, I I just have to get this off my chest. I'm so sick and tired of people tweeting about how w- people used to complain that Kobe was making nearly $30 million, and now J.J. Reddick's making 23 Those people who are casual fans and don't understand the cap just need to stop. They, they just need to. Because if you're the Sixers and you have $50 million in cap space, I don't care if you throw $35 million at J.J. Reddick for one year. Because you weren't going to sign any huge, you know, there, there was nobody available on the market that would have made you this like immediate contender like you weren't getting gordon hayward i i am so sick of comparing salary caps versus like five six years ago the landscape has changed it's it's a reality and deal with it jj reddick coming here for one year is like the ultimate coup and i was such a critic of brian colangelo in the beginning and i have to say he's he's winning me over and it's not even like a slowly but surely thing like he has not done stupid things with the exception of the Nerlens trade for a fake first round pick he's he's done a really good job by all accounts the draft last year he did a good job Korkmaz is coming over and will probably live on the sevens but he's actually coming over he worked out his own buyout the draft yeah, but has he gone paid well. what 1.5 million one point three, I think, of his own money. Yeah, but then he knows he's getting an NBA contract, so like it. No, I know, but you know, it, it makes sense. But like, Colangelo's done a good job. I don't understand the Amir Johnson thing. I feel like it it creates depth. a glut. I know depth, but like this is a guy who started, I think, seventy seven games last year for the Celtics. The idea that and and I could be wrong, but the idea that this guy's going to go from starting games for a team that was number one in the conference last year to coming to the Sixers. To be a backup seems a little bit strange. Like, maybe that's what he's planning on. Or maybe we've just been totally wrong, and maybe he really thinks he's going to be the the starting four, and we're going to have, like, a weird lineup with, like, Simmons and Redick and Fultz playing, like, one, two, and three, pick your combination, and then Amir Johnson and Joel Embiid. I don't think that's going to happen, but, like, it's just, it is strange to me. I just look at overall, guys, I'm looking at the big picture like this. Two veterans, while we did slightly overpay, came here. That's awesome. Two, this ownership group that we really were concerned about after the Nerlens Noel decision spent freaking money. Three, this team is going to be really freaking fun to watch next year, whether or not it's Amir and Dario or Embiid or cut like whoever's back there with Sean Holmes. Number four. Uh, people wanted to come here. This is crazy. Like when you guys were talking about JJ Reddick coming to the Sixers, I almost wanted to yell at you guys every time and tell you that I didn't think it was possible. 
I didn't think it was possible. And now I got JJ freaking Reddick tweeting out, trust the process. It's the first three-point shooter that we've had on this team in years. Uh, the development of what it's going to mean for Fultz and Simmons and Embiid is huge. Uh, to have those two guys in the locker room who everyone says are good locker room guys are great. To get them on one-year deals, to not have to worry about them at all, to possibly have a Robert Covington extension coming in like October or November, and then next year really going after some major people man that was fucking dope i wasn't ready for that shit i've been trying to figure this out from if you're amir johnson like fuck that like i i don't know if that qualifies it's a guy yeah okay yeah he's not a bad player like he's he's actually pretty decent i just fair okay fine i just don't get i i I I like his style I don't know if he's like, oh, look, we got a free agent here. It was Amir Johnson. But I, I get your point. Reddick, I've been trying to like figure it out from someone like Reddick's standpoint. I know he says all the right things. This is the place I wanted to be. Trust the process. And obviously, he accepted a one-year deal here, even though it's more money. He most likely could have got more, although I think the market for a lot of guys proved to be lower than we thought. Uh, <clears throat> Kyle Lowry. Um, we need to come back to that. Yeah, we do. For that. I agree. Um, so, But I, I've been wondering, like, from their standpoint, is it the... You know, it sounds like there are people who really do actually want to be a part of this team. They see the level of talent they have. I think Joel Embiid has just become universally beloved around the league. Um, And if you're a guy like Redick, you know, this might be a situation where it's like, hey, you come and prove that you still have a lot of game left. And, man, you are now in the East where, other than the Celtics, there is the Celtics and Raptors, there is a vast wasteland. So the East is wide open. I guess I should include LeBron and the Cavs in that. Um, it, I, I'm thinking after next year because it doesn't sound like LeBron's going to stick around. So like maybe Reddick's like, look, I can come here, prove myself, and maybe in a year like or two, I get another deal with this team and get to stick around and make a playoff run. Like, I'm, yeah, Do you I'll, guys I'll have, have any thoughts like on what they're like, – like, I don't know. I could sell it, but like – I'm same as you, Adam. Like fascinated. Why does Reddick seem so gung ho about coming here when he can go to a contender? Well, I think it's really funny. Remember this too. Uh, George Hill just got paid way too much money, and Zach Randolph to go to the Kings, and they're pitching it to their fans like that's their leadership. So that those are two guys that I don't think have places in this league with the style of play that they play. And here we have a three-point shooter and a versatile stretch four or five in Amir Johnson. So our veteran leaders are exactly uh, how I would want them to be designed. Uh, I also think that we're, we're forgetting that Brett Brown is extremely well-liked in the NBA, and they've invested money into their D-League, and they run a Spurs quote-unquote-esque system, and players like to be around good bosses, and that's important, just like we like to have good bosses. Um, and I think that plays a big thing in it too, Russ. Let's not yeah, forget it, the practice facility. I mean, sure. it is the biggest and best yeah. in the league, and uh, you know, guys spend more of their time there. And you the are area. close to New so, York. We can make the argument about Reddick wanting to go to a contender, but like, think about who was courting him. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Minnesota were supposedly two of the teams that were in on it, right? If if you're Reddick, you've spent the better part of your the the last few years playing for the Clippers, being told that your team is a contender. And you saw where that got them. And if you're being realistic about it, J.J. Reddick comes in. He knows he's going to get a lot of shots for the Sixers. Like, say say even at, at worst-case scenario, he only comes for a year and he leaves. 
he will get more shots up. I think he averaged six three-point attempts last year per game. He'll probably average eight this year. He'll have inflated stats, and a lot of these teams, the the reason that, that we've seen guys like George Hill and Zach Randolph getting the money they got was weird, but it was also because it was the Kings, and the Kings have to overpay. But part of the reason that the free agent market didn't pan out for a lot of guys is because of last year's frenzy of guys like Alan Crabb getting max deals. The the idea of cap space existing the same way from year to year just wasn't the case. People just jumped all in when the when the cap um, when the cap jumped last year that it left a real deficit for for this year for spending. So that's why you see teams signing guys for less money than we expected and why you see players wanting to sign one-year deals. So they're smart deals for Johnson and for Redick. I want to see Redick stick around for a couple of years, but I got to be honest, as much as I wanted them to sign him for two years, I'm actually really happy because once again, you're going to have ridiculous amounts of cap space after next season. And if there is a big free agent or there's a trade that is that's there to be made where you have to take a salary dump and you can get a star... The Sixers have themselves set up once again to be an excellent cap position where these other teams have hamstrung them with themselves with contracts that they gave where they overpaid for restricted free agents. So the Sixers, once again, and this is a Colangelo thing, they've done a really good job. It's like the hinky, the hinky idea of keeping your cap space open to take on bad contracts for draft picks. It's all worked out because if you look at, at their cap numbers right now, the top two earners on the team are Redick and Johnson. Jared Bayless is third at $9 million, And then you get back into like first-round picks and how much they make. Now, we don't know how much uh, Fultz is going to make, but we can assume it's probably in like the 4 to $6 million range. That's where Simmons, Embiid, and Okafor live. So they, they're doing a really good job navigating this cap. And if nothing else, the Sixers, who for decades were typically behind the, um, behind the curve in what NBA teams were doing... They're out in front, and they are set up so well for the future and for this year, where they can offer absurd amounts of cash to Redick, and he'll take that over supposedly what had been offered uh, by Minnesota and Brooklyn. Yeah, and, and to me, I feel like the one year, the fact, when it, the report came out last week before free agency started, that the Sixers were offering pretty much only one-year deals, and I wondered, I'm like, does that apply? Is that a, is that all the agents other than Reddick's agent? Because one, no way one year gets Reddick, and lo and behold, if if you pay him enough in one year, it does get you JJ Reddick. Um, to me, the fact that Sixers are obviously pretty staunch about not handing out more than one-year deals tells me that they would like to. I know it might just be hey, we want to have flexibility. But to me, that's like, no, we really want to see what we have here. And if we have something good, we know if, if this if this rookie group, this young core plays for, say, you know, together 50-plus games this year, 55-plus games where all three of them are healthy and on the floor, and they show to be like a genuine potential type team, I think the Sixers and Colangelo are thinking, we want to save all the money we can next year because – everyone is going to want to come here. And I mean, like, everyone and anyone. And when you talk about everyone and anyone, that's the stars in the NBA, like Kevin Durant, who felt the need to tweet while watching Markel Fultz on Monday night. Did you set up... What Did you guys watch online? Did you watch on NBA TV? What did you think of our uh, 
Super, 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 superstar. I love him. He's the best. Uh, he's he is. I watched on awesome. TCN, and their their idea to they were simulcasting the game. I, I'm not sure, like the NBA TV broadcast or whatever. And their great great idea was when Fultz come off the floor, we're gonna send it back to Amy Fadul and Mark Zumoff in the CSN studio and go split screen to explain to Philadelphia basketball fans what their own eyes just saw and they'll make do it the game more than once or just once. Yep. Yeah. Nope. Three, all game. The whole game. Brutal. Like a, a, I would say so my 20% defense, of the game I, you watch when I saw with, you tweet that my defense was going to be that's a good way of occasionally promoting your post game show. No. Is you do it a little bit and then you come on later. No, no, I no. I can see how that's annoying because I was enjoying watching Bolden uh, a lot. Yo, he was, I think he I was, think CSN's idea. Guys, all game. I think cool. CSN's idea was, you know, we're gonna try something unique. Not everyone cares about the game; they care about seeing faults. So we're gonna do like a live podcast. I mean, it was almost like a live podcast or director's commentary uh, version of the game. Now they left it alone most of the time when Fultz was in there. Uh, but when he was out, or even during stoppages, like they would chime in either with voiceover um, or with a split screen, or a couple times full screen while the game was going on. And you're like, the game is happening somewhere in the ether, and Amy Fadul is giving me like vapid points. What what is happening yeah, it was, here? That was like the second half of the game. They straight up cut away from the game. Like Bolden <laughs> was going up for a dunk or something, and it just cut to the studio. Like somebody in the control room messed up. The thing I didn't get is, if you're able to, to pull away like that, I wasn't exactly a fan of the, uh, I guess it's the Utah announcers. If you have the ability to... They've to always kinda, been bad. To, yeah. to kind of cut in, then I almost wish that I could have... Uh, maybe I should watch how I say this. I think I would have rather listened to Mark Zumoff talk about the game. I like Mark Zumoff a lot. He does a good job for the Sixers. He does a good job for the Union when he when he fills in. I, I like his insight... And I, I miss hearing the guy's voice when when basketball is over. I just think he's a really good announcer. He's he's a Philadelphia treasure of sorts. It turns out he's a much better announcer than studio analyst. I'll say that much. Yeah, like he's like, good and he knows basketball. But the the studio thing was awkward. Like him and Amy were off like off yeah, feet. Like Mark didn't know what monitor to look at. Weird. Like if you're used weird. to if you're used to being a play by play guy, and they say, "All right, go in the studio and 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 watch this game." The only announcers that I think are particularly good at that are soccer announcers because oh they typically have no because they typically have to do it like even for the biggest networks like BN yeah they don't go they they have to like they're thousands of miles away. All right, let me save this conversation. I'm sorry. Can we talk about fucking Markel Fultz, please? Like Fultz, is, Fultz was awesome. Thank the score you. Score on his first possession. That shiftiness, that comparison to James Harden, you can just see it. You you see that thing playing out for itself. And that was like the one time the Utah announcers I thought did a good job. You know when they when they weren't just absolutely fanboying over Jalen Brown, who played a year in the NBA as the number three pick. Oh, he's the best one on the court. Shut up. I agree. Like you would you would hope so. Like if Ben Simmons is playing in that game, I sure would hope Ben Simmons would be exponentially better than Bolden. And by like a bunch of guys, who was the big white guy that was playing for the Sixers at center who had hands of stone? Like, uh, yeah, I would certainly hope Jalen Brown is better than those guys because if he's not, Danny Ainge looks like more of a dummy than he already does. But Fultz, Danny Ainge looks pretty good Fultz today. Had, Fultz had that smooth stroke 
from out from out of the three yep. point the three point arc. His like, free throw shots, even though they didn't all go in, I like his form still. He just looked he they kept saying he's done everything. Like what else do you want to see? I was really impressed, and I know that in college he did this, and it was like an underrated uh, an underrated asset or, or skill. His ability to block shots as a six four guard. He had three blocks in the game. And he there were there were a couple times where I think it was either Tatum or Brown drove past him and it was I think it was Tatum and Fultz didn't play decent man-to-man defense on him he got blown by but he he tried to recover and make a block at the rim if nothing else I like seeing that kind of chase down and and I I I was really impressed the kid didn't do anything uh, he he didn't not do anything like anything that you wanted to see from him I think you saw in that game finishing at the rim Maybe not not quite as good as I wanted, and like the last play, you know, it was a bummer to have gotten uh, uh, blocked on the backside. But like, he did everything you wanted. I was impressed by his uh, his jump ball, his tie up on the drive. That was oh, yeah. th- that was pretty impressive. Um, who uh, who was it uh, driving to the basket? I think um, it was Jalen Brown. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. And I mean, he just he... reaches in and yanks it, gets the jump ball. Yeah, I mean that. Good play. So I thought um, that little, and this is Durant tweeted about this. His little hesitation jumper, like that's the sort of thing that you just kind of. It's really hard to get from <clears throat> Bob Brookover alert here. It's really hard to get from just watching clips or highlights or whatever. Like seeing that in the flow of the game when he catches a pass, takes a bounce, and your eyes and clearly the defender's eyes deceive them into thinking he's about to drive and he just has this like smooth transition to putting the ball on the deck to picking it up hanging with a hesitation shot and then letting loose like that his his jump shot off the bounce like that is very impressive it seems it seems almost slow because it's effortless but obviously it's not slow because he's, he's getting it off very quickly over defenders i was impressed with that uh we knew about his shiftiness his shiftiness you know was obviously there i wouldn't worry about finishing at the rim keep in mind it's the first time he's going in there as a zoom off would say amongst the trees of the nba so i i would granted it's a summer league but i wouldn't worry about that typically this happens in college too like young guys who are used to being able to attack the rim and finish against lesser competition tend to um, not have as many of those shots fall early on. I wouldn't. I was impressed with his even at the end of the game. There, I'm like, is he going to be able to get to the rim here with five seconds to go? The, you know, like, is it a guarantee that you figured they just load the box against him? And he went up with that like up and under reverse layup that I mean should have gone in, and I think will go in in most instances. The ability to get the ball that close to the rim with with it still in your hands was impressive. I also love That's, the fact that we have a number one pick that is not trying to live up to expectations, but is trying to prove people wrong. It's rare that you get like a first round pick that has a chip on his shoulder too. Typically he's trying to own up to that moniker, but because of the trade, because Boston came out and said they didn't value him like that, and all the ball talk and all that stuff, he plays like he has a chip on his shoulder. Man, I, I love the kid. He was like Kyle. What you were saying about the way that he got to the rim at the end, they I, I can't think of many times that the Sixers at the end of game ha, at the end of games have had a guy who could get the inbound pass and cut baseline like that. Like I, I certainly do not remember anything like that. Typically, it's it's bring it back out to the top of the arc and initiate offense from there. So like, uh, his his ability to get to the rim and his ability to get past defenders 
was on full display. I don't remember... I'm, like, trying to jog my memory. If there was a single instance where he couldn't get to where he wanted to on the court. And I think that's a great sign. No, a couple times you could tell... I mean, again, first game. There was a couple times where he turned it over, where he got a little ahead of himself, and I think was surprised at how quick defenders could be at, at this level. But, I mean, that's literally a rookie thing how you know of course on the other side jason tatum looked you know every bit is good and i was he looked good quite impressed with him uh but i do find it funny that he won the game with a long range two point jump shot iso jump shot which was like the one part of his game uh, us included that he he has a knock for because that is his game is the the long range two iso and i I find it interesting that he hit the game winner with that i just don't the nba's number one play of the day on their facebook yeah that's great good for them i i don't like i i've decided that i i just don't like jason tatum for two reasons one i feel like he looks like a guy who should who like has a really hard time deciding whether or not he's supposed to wear the short sleeve shirt underneath his jersey and number two i i can't get over the fact that jason tatum looks like every basic create a player uh template on nba 2k like he that's fair he, he legitimately does well, he's like light I, I four, like, like light four in terms of like like the first option you get to select. And he's got like short hairstyle number one. He's got like <laughs> he's got mustache goatee combo number six. I just that, you know what? I don't, I don't by the like, way, that was every player on the Sixers uh, from 2013 to 2015 was was just it was like they went to NBA 2K and they're like, can you just generate like eight guys to round out our roster and and. Pretty much they all looked and played like that. There were entire years where I'm pretty sure the NBA 2K staff didn't didn't actually try to make any kind of real looking uh, Sixers either. Like it, it kind of <laughs> went it kind of went both ways. And I guess yeah, that's what right. happens when you keep signing guys to 10 day contracts. Like you know, why, <laughs> why go through a character build? Anyway, Markel Fultz looked awesome. Awesome. Adam. TNA awesome. played Celtics. Got Gordon Hayward. Am I the only guy in America that doesn't think that this is as big of a signing as people are making it out to be? That Gordon Hayward is not a top twenty <laughs> player in the NBA, and they needed someone bigger than this, and they only got Gordon Hayward. Am I the only person that feels that way? I'll be honest with you, Brooke Over Alert here. Like I, I haven't seen a, a ton of Hayward play, so I, I All don't right, know. So then, Russ, what do no, you? No, hold on. But I, well, no, right. you, no, no, hold no, on. No, 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 no. You can't shit on Bob Brookover and be right. like, you can't have an opinion, and then do it. Fuck so that. then Russ, Russ no. gets to go first. Yep. No. Yep. Russ right, gets I'm, to no, go no. first. First of Hayward all, the guy a, wrote a column hey, about it. You asked me a oh question God. about it. On a Russ no, gets to go first. Hedge. You can't hedge like this. Kyle, Hayward you can is, go second. Russ gets to go first here. <laughs> Hayward is a good player. Um, I, I don't think he's like a transcendent talent. I really, and I said to you guys last night, I... It takes such great offense to people calling Isaiah Thomas, Gordon Hayward, and Al Horford a big three. Like they're a big, like they're they're not a big three. Not they're three close. good. They're like three good players. <laughs> but and like I get that they were number one in the conference last year. But like Gordon Hayward to me does not make them a favorite to beat the the Cavs. No. He's a good player, but is he thirty million against your cap? Good. <laughs> I'm not so sure. If you're the Sixers and like and and you have the, I guess the option between an extra seven million to get Gordon Hayward versus JJ Rick, okay, like maybe, but like I, I I don't totally get I I don't see where people are making it out like they just got in his prime Dwayne Wade. I'm not saying compa- like right, they're, they're no, obviously he's totally not even different close. players, but like the, he 
he's a good player, but he's not this crazy Max put you over the top and now like Golden State is shaking in their in their boots because now there are two legitimate contenders in the East. Like it solidified them as the number two team. Even though they were number one last year, I think pre- I think pretty much anyone will admit that obviously Cleveland was the best team in the East, record aside. This doesn't put them over the top. I now, don't think so either. Like, and, and I don't know if, if for the next couple of years this really puts them over the top. It It's silly to think that Gordon Hayward is probably going to cost them losing like an Avery Bradley, who they need, not this year, but next year. And the idea that that because they passed over Fultz, they have to re-sign Isaiah Thomas. And he's going to cost probably a max against the cap. So, you know, it's a good thing for them, if nothing else, that they, they held on to their assets because they're going to need them. Yeah. They won't be able to afford anybody else. Kyle they're going to have Scott to be over. paying these first-round picks. Yeah. All right. So I, what I was going to finish saying was before, I, I haven't seen enough of him to adequately say, like, he's a he's d- definitively not a top star level in the NBA my gut says that he's not uh but who knows I uh, what I think the dynamic we saw play out with Hayward was every this happens every year in every sport where there's one or two guys of that level like all-star caliber players you know and I would include Kyle Lowry in this that just but they are not superstars uh they are not franchise changers who are free agents and they are the one or two big names that everyone's going after. I remember like Zach Parise one year, the fl- everyone was excited because the Flyers were in on Zach Parise and he was the name du jour for three days in free agency. And I feel like the Hayward hype is is it, part of it is just because he it was the you know big guy out there right now and then yesterday everyone's checking twitter on fourth of july what's hey we're gonna do and we're seeing all the tweets of teams putting up you know things at fenway and i wasn't checking shit download the bleacher report app and let it just pop up on your phone what why are people checking things i'm not gonna knock bleacher report but i'm pretty sure like oh most people are sitting around like re- refreshing twitter in an instance yeah like that's that. that's the like no. We need to address men that are checking Twitter on the 4th of July when there's life to be had. And y'all are like, Shams, Woj, give me the information. Like, what the fuck does it matter if you get it now or five minutes from now? That's crazy. Like, we, we need to work on your lives. Part of the we fun of checking hey, in on Twitter. I don't remember Adam being this angry before he became a vegan. It's <sighs> true. It's true. But um, no, I dude, I agree with you completely. I think this is the LeBron effect where we had that one crazy free agency where LeBron shocked us and went to Cleveland and we've given we've given every other top free agent the same respect. Gordon Hayward does not deserve your attention on the 4th of July. Gordon Hayward is not that good of a player to have you refreshing Twitter. This is not LeBron, this is not Durant, this is even fucking Chris Paul. This is Gordon Hayward. But I agree with you. We have this we have this thing where whoever the number one guy is, we give them around the clock support when I, he doesn't deserve it. Yeah, and I feel like I mean, look, it's all fun. I don't hate fun as much as you. So sure. I think I think this thing is The fact fun. that you I, think refreshing Twitter is fun, we need to get out there and get you some beer and like some cornhole and some women and some conversation. That's fun. Ch- refreshing Twitter will never be sold to me as fun. You're hurting your battery, your eyes, your attention span, and my respect. That ain't fun. Adam says are, that are refreshing Twitter isn't fun. What are three things you don't find fun? <laughs> um, 
yeah, I, I don't have a problem with the hype around a guy like Hayward. It's fine. It's you know, I, I the the NBA free agency period has been ridiculous. The T-shirt that was made up for Blake Griffin, um, you know, this, I that love was the a teams. masterpiece. If you haven't seen it, you need to go look it up. I it is. Check it out. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up right now after Kyle's done. We've got to go over the uh, the icons on the shirt. Go ahead, Kyle. The sorry. teams flying in, uh, players flying back from Europe to meet with free agents. I don't have a problem with any of that. I don't know if Hayward's the guy. All I know is that, like, when you look at the East, like Lowry going back to the Raptors, the Raptors have peaked. I, they have definitely peaked. And I, I feel like short of like them doing something else drastic, they're not going to be a long-term or even a short-term factor. Like We've seen their ceiling, and it's getting their asses handed to them by the Cavs. That is their ceiling. I mean, ditto for the Celtics as well. Obviously, you add Hayward, and they're a much better team. I mean, to me, this is shaping up. You figure LeBron leaves the Cavs next year. Or it sounds like it's, it's definitely a, a, a possible, if not probable, somewhere around 50-50, if, I guess if you had to handicap it right now, that he tries to go out west. I mean, you could legitimately wind up with a thing where the top 15 players in the league, I don't know if you saw ESPN had a thing, the top, as of last season, the top 15 ranked players in the NBA, only one, LeBron, number one, uh, is is in the East right now. So figure maybe a couple of those guys come back next year. I know there's a few one-year deals out there and stuff like that. If you look long-term, though, to me, it's like it's the Sixers and the Celtics. And I, I still, granted, there's so many unknowns, I love... The Sixers standing right now compared to the Celtics. The Thomas, Horford, Hayward, Bradley, like that that is that is a good team, no doubt about it. I think they were one of the most fraudulent number one seeds in in like the in recent sports memory last year. Like there, I was blown away when the playoffs came around. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How how is it that the Cavs are like not not the favorite here? That I don't know if it was like I don't know what the Celtics did last year that allowed them to be the number one seed. And credit to um, oh, why is this, why is his name the coach? Please, someone help me. Brad Stevens. Thank you. Um, I mean, credit to Brad Stevens. He's a great coach. He's young. He's good looking. So that matters. Um, but I, I just I don't. I'm not buying the Celtics. And it, it was a foregone conclusion. I think one of you guys laughed at me last. Time. I'm like, he's going to Boston. You're like, I don't know. I'm like, yes, he is. He wants to play for his old college coach. Like that's it's a done deal. Um, so, so I don't, I don't even get the intrigue here. But I love how everyone was waiting on the Players' Tribune piece. That was my favorite part of this. Yeah, like, it's not official first... until a guy writes a 2,100-word Players' Tribune piece that he doesn't write. Well, David Aldridge tweeted about that, like just waiting for that to drop. And the first thing I thought as I was reading it was Adam talking about the fact that like these guys don't actually write these pieces themselves. And like now it, it's kind of turned me off to the Players' Tribune a little bit. Like What I used to think was at least you know somewhat written by a player obviously not totally written because i can't imagine what the the language would look like um like it 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 just kind of felt disingenuous and i i was like a little bit bummed because yesterday when espn reported that it was a done deal to the celtics and then david aldridge said wait hold the phone no it's not and then the agent came out and said you know we our goal was to have a decision today but now you know we're trying to regroup then it became the speculation of is it because he is now having second thoughts about going to the Celtics, or is he now trying to do damage control because Utah had to find out through an ESPN tweet? Uh, but the the Players Tribune piece was just too long. I I tried to like read it. I, I picked out different parts of it. It was just too much. Like just just get it over with, man. Like it it's almost like how LeBron kind of went back to to try to I don't know make make peace with the Cleveland fans after he bailed. The, the, I, I just, I just didn't, 
I didn't really like it. The ambient, uh, the ambient noise that disappears when Adam uses Mike is. Uh, yeah, but I kind of liked hearing the uh, the police car in the background. <laughs> By the way, before I forget, the Blake Griffin shirt that uh, yeah that they I looked used, it up that, the that they used to sway him. It says pioneers. It's got Muhammad Ali, Martin Luther King, uh, John F. Kennedy, Abraham Lincoln, Nelson Mandela, Barack Obama. Um, who else is on there? And Blake Griffin. No, no, no. Uh, Albert Einstein's on there. <laughs> and uh, Gandhi. Gandhi is also on there. So Blake Griffin, ladies and gentlemen, who I think also looks like an NBA uh, create a player template, is now a pioneer. He is in the same conversation as MLK, Lincoln, and Einstein. What a great um, guy. Quick cat point, but real quick, before we move on. I, I agree, this show is awesome. Um, before we move on to the Horowitz thing, which I think we should talk about, the uh, LeBron tweeted, Le, LeBron is tweeting like a guy who's going to become choose to become a free agent next year because he's congratulating Steph Curry for his $201 million five-year contract. And then he tweets, he retweets someone, a local, I guess, uh, Bay Area writer who tweeted something about like the Warriors were bought X number of years ago for $450 million. Now they're worth $2.3 billion or whatever it is. And almost all of that has to do with Steph Curry. And LeBron retweets it and says, exactly, please tell me again why Steph Curry, Steph Curry deserves $400 million also for five years. Please someone tell me why this is impossible. And the responses to LeBron were like, well, first of all, because you all signed the CBA and this is what you get. Um, but I... I I think there's like an interesting tie in here to our like sports bubble thing with regard to the cap and the valuation of teams. Yes, Steph Curry is a huge part of the Warriors rise. But the whole reason these these contracts are so absurd is just because it's it's literally TV money paid to the leagues, which goes down to the teams, which have to pay a percentage of it to players, and max players get a certain percentage of that. That's all it is. It's not based in any fundamental reality. It's not like the Warriors sat down and were like, what is Steph Curry worth to us? Where is Maybe this does happen in baseball a little bit. What is this player worth to us? How do we monetize it? What do they get paid? That 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 is not like what pe- player salaries are based on. And I think people have to detach themselves from that, and they have to understand I'm getting echo in somebody's headphones, and it's fucking me up. It wouldn't have been an episode oh. without hearing feedback about feedback. I agree. Without Kyle I complaining f- about his headphones. Do you try talking to yourself fight, with, with your own I fight through it, Kyle. Blasting fight life. through it. All right, hold on. Let's talk about oh, No, hold on. I'm not done. To... Hold on. Hold on. Oh, no, no, no. It's a, good, it's a good point. But you got people out there who are like, well, you know, why does someone like, like, you know, he get $40 million or $30 million or whatever? It's like... All this is based on is teams are given $100 million to spend, and if you are one of the best players in the league, you're almost guaranteed to get 30% of that, and that's it. And what, like the fact that LeBron doesn't understand that and sounds like the person down the he street does. who's it's called negotiating for the next collective bargaining. Well, sure, it sounds like he's campaigning for it, but the fact that like he puts it out there in a way that is like, well, please tell me again why he shouldn't get $400 million. Someone needs to explain to LeBron that, like, yes, he understands how it works, but four hundred million would require the next round of TV deals paying, you know, essentially theoretically double of what they are now. And the fact that he doesn't understand that that money is not doubling. Well, why do you, why do you, I, he no, does I think you're looking that. at this totally. No, I, I, I don't think. I, I, I don't think, think he does understand that. I think he's trying to make an argument that the players I deserve more. That NBA players are underpaid. Uh, compare, but look, Major League Baseball makes everybody look stupid. 
like, yeah, but stupid. you know what? The the NBA these last two years have have actually kind of made ba- made baseball look a little bit more sane. Like the top players, when A Rod made thirty million dollars a year with the Yankees, people lost their freaking minds. Well, look at the guys who are making thirty million dollars now. Like Gordon Hayward's making thirty million dollars. So the like I think the graphic yesterday was between Blake Griffin. Uh, I'm trying to think. It was three guys that had just signed contracts. That those three guys were making more money than like 20 NFL quarterbacks. And if you think about like what kind of guys or what positions in sports should be the highest paid, like I would think NFL quarterback, at least in guaranteed money. The fact that NBA salaries have jumped to this ridiculous place, I guess kind of getting back to like a point that I made like way early, that people are complaining about the money that like JJ Redick makes, the fact that the NBA has elevated their game and elevated their international presence to a point where you can have a guy like JJ Redick make $23 million for a year, or a guy like Gordon Hayward, who's probably not a top 20 player in the NBA, to make $30 million a year, like that says a lot about the state of the league, and it says a lot about how how well they've marketed that league it also to be able says, to offer yeah, that kind of money. Here's the thing: it also says a lot about the fact that during the last go arounds, ESPN paid X number of billion that that really is not based in any sort of any sort of like it's not a traditional business. It's not based in like we spend two billion and we get four. No, it was spent like we're going to spend this much money because we have to because we have to have these rights and like that. That's the thing, like, when you see LeBron complain about it or whatever, it's like, look, first of all, NBA players of any sport have no right to complain. League, fringe league guys are getting $8 million a year. It's absurd. Like, you look at the best players in hockey are making less than the the ninth man on a mediocre NBA team. It's laughable. And but look, I love But hockey, it's not based, the thing is, it's compare. not based in reality. Like, none of the money is based in reality, and it's not going to stay like that. And so for players to sit there and complain, they're like, that they're not getting enough of that pie. Like, okay, that's a reasonable argument, but it's because that pie is not going to keep continuing to grow. And we're just in this weird, like, this, this strange, like, seven to eight year era where all this money is essentially like monopoly money that these teams have to spend. And it's, it's just not sustainable because none of it, just none of it is founded in actual economics. Like no one is getting their money's worth out of this. Not, not the TV networks. And it, it's like the so teams aren't able to. So do you think the next round to... of TV negotiations, the, the money's going to go the other way? Like, do you think that the, the next network, if it's ESPN or it's Fox or NBC, Maybe Fox, whomever, who recently fired Jamie Horowitz, who was just let go by FS1 after a burling little sexual harassment scandal. Yeah, let's go there. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was. I thought that. Man, no, I that was that, the transition. Y'all yeah, are okay, talking too much about the same shit. Well, it's not. We're having a conversation. It's like a back and forth. Um, it's a monologue. So Horowitz, Horowitz with his uh, um, overhaul of the writing staff on FoxSports.com, where we talked about the fact that they went video only, lasted what? A week? week and a half before all hell breaks loose they're still fired no no i know but i'm just saying like his his param uh, his uh paradigm shift to going to video content russ that's the whole industry pal the whole industry is firing writers and trying to figure out how to leverage ad sales against video content like 
everyone can make him the guy that's the most evil person in the world, but like it's every fucking company that's doing it right now. He's the evil one because he has emboldened Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless and created the debate content that gets huge ratings, but no one claims to watch. Um, the interesting thing, though, is he fires a lot of people and then a sexual harassment scandal comes out and apparently has validity. Uh, so the question is, is did he fire someone that ra- that that came forward and, and said this or is it a friend of somebody? But uh, no, this is this is not just him. He represents that. But this is the entire industry right now. I I don't disagree with you, but when I, like, just for for fun's sake, like, checking Bleacher Report, there are still articles. It's not just video. Sure. And that's my point. Like, I I don't, I guess when, when Fox found themselves and FS1 found themselves struggling for ratings, like, we talked about this before, like, it, it made sense to try to brand certain things with the biggest voices and the biggest names they had on the network. But like, I I didn't understand why they went video only where it is, they make it their, their user interface makes it almost impossible to find any kind of a written article, which, you know, like, I I don't know if that makes them cutting edge. And that's something that in like six years, we're going to look back on and say, wow, people read articles on these sites, but that takes them totally out of the rotation for me between like a Bleacher Report, a Crossing Broad, uh, and ESPN.com, like there are some times that I want to read an article where I actually want to see some kind of insight and I don't want to just watch Skip Bayless spew his point for 45 seconds. So maybe that is where the, the, the media landscape is going. But for somebody who actually likes to occasionally read an article or two, there is nothing. So the, I, I think they went too far. I think if you're going to cut your writers... Then maybe you go seventy-five, twenty-five video content to written content. Yeah, the only you don't thing go I want to say about the writers, Russ, is um, like there's a lot of writers that have lost their jobs recently. A lot of these different places, but a lot of these writers that are being fired are not the the big name writers. They're like the younger kids that write the like like the Blake Griffin shirt article where it's like, "Whoa, bros, did you see this crazy shirt? Yeah, sweep of the internet." And then they're like. My article got a million views. And I'm like, your article is recycled trash. So, um, you know, it's it's both of the things. But it does suck for the industry because I agree with you. These are lost jobs. And I don't know if that's the future either. I just think everyone doesn't know how to make fucking money on the internet right now. That, yeah, I mean, that's true. And, I mean, video, like, Adam, you said, like, everyone's going to video. Yes, they are. I think the point with Fox that Russ was trying to make is... They're, they went extreme. They decided to, I mean, literally cut written word, like it just in general, from from their page and dedicated their entire website to just being either recycled written word from what their on-air talent have said or just video clip, like exclusively video clips, which is too far. And to your point, Russ, like the problem is right now it is tougher to monetize the written word. It's not worth, you know, one view of a written word piece is not as much as one view of a video piece. That's the that's the nut of the problem is that there's just the rates on the written word are so low that you need such scale to monetize it. The thing is, and what the industry doesn't get, and this is I feel like this has always benefited me having worked in places that were not sports or media beforehand and anyone who has like understands that the, the you know, people sit at work and they are 
most jobs you can't just flick on video certainly you're a teacher Russ and you know maybe when you have a break you could put a video on your phone but people you know it's tough for you people sitting in an office for the most case unless they have headphones in hate it when video blares at them and can't sit there and watch a five-minute video you're you're scrolling around to kill time at work like that is the majority of daytime web traffic and the written word still has a place when you're standing in line at the supermarket and flicking around on your phone you don't want to watch a video you're trying to just discreetly read something because there's people around and I feel like in all of media or video we're hearing videos big and it's worth more money and that's true but people the reason written word has worked for so long and continues to work and maybe even works better now is because if you're sitting in the back of an Uber, you know, you could just pull it up on your phone and like kill time and people don't always want to invest in audio and video and that is the disconnect. Like all of these media companies think video is like, oh, we need this, we need this. But at this, yes, absolutely. But you can't it's just dismiss the only part of the internet word. that a lot of these companies have learned how to get any money from advertisers on clicks do not matter to come i'm telling you from like talking with salespeople at very high ranking like situations absolutely clicks and articles don't get as much money kyle you know this too it's the reason we're seeing comcast sportsnet do stroman ads on their instagram all right like they're making sandwiches and they're like eat this sandwich because video they can sell and a lot of these companies, look, they just let go of D-Linem and Panaccio that were web-based people that made appearances on TV. And they, they, everyone said, the web is the future, the web is the future. Look at all the clicks, look at all the likes, look at all the retweets, look at all the follows. And then the, the Comcast head came down probably, or Turner for us or whatever, came down and said, where's the fucking money? And all these yeah. people went, yeah, but look at all the clicks and the likes and the follows. And they said, no, where's the money? And these places went, oh, crap. And the one thing that they can sell is video. And that's why there's a video movement right now. Right, but, but that's my point. I'm not saying that that's not the case, but I'm saying from a consumer standpoint, the that's why the, vi the video only movement doesn't isn't the answer either. Like when you go to Fox's oh. website and all they have is clips, like most people like Russ is saying like sometimes you just want to read an article and it's a problem like it's a real problem no one knows how to figure it out but yes um, I, I I do a few things one I applaud any company that's willing to make drastic change to confront a situation two I will also say that that doesn't mean it's right but it's good to stand for something and it sucks that a lot of people lost their jobs in order to stand for something but and I think three, he thinks I agree right. with you the answer yeah. is not video only you need to become a Facebook and Instagram you need to weave yourself into the lives of people to where they feel the need to check foxsports.com every day or crossing broadcast you need to weave it into their lives and become good content that is also vital you're not just trying to get someone's eyeball you're trying to get into their routine humans are so routine based it's crazy and that's what you need to do but it needs to be good shit that everyone thinks there's some like shortcut that there's like some new video pre-roll or that you, oh you know what if you're in a car with music that's the reason carpool karaoke works no it works because it's good fucking content and yep. people just aren't willing to build that shit. They're not willing to spend the money to make the money. Yeah, I agree. And I think part of it is it's just hard to... It's so uncertain what actually will make the money. So it yes. makes it really tough to... 
yeah, I mean, it, it's a bad, it's a, like, media's in a weird spot. It, honestly, this is why it's so impressive what Barstool does, because they've figured out a way to create personalities around their people, and they have so many touch points, it's crazy. They've, they have a podcast network with, you know, personalities people identify with, and then you go on social media, and, I mean, they are just churning out, whether even just crappy viral videos, but what that does on a Facebook, if you see Barstool puts out just a viral video that everyone else has, well now in it. the algorithm of Facebook, it's like, oh, you like Barstool, so every time you load up Facebook, you're going to get 50 Barstool videos, and oh, by the way, sometimes they're promoting their products, and oh, by the way, go read their website. Like They, they are doing this exceedingly well right now, and I know there are probably some sort of competition to you guys at Bleacher Report. And, no, but, like, but I get it. But they, I mean, they are, they are really have figured that out, and I think you know, I think media companies are trying to figure out ways, like how do we, how do we replicate that and still do like regular news, and that's the tough part. People, I'm, you know, and, and not even like you look at like a local news outlet, like a like a local paper, like the Intelligencer here in Bucks and Monco or whatever. They're doing newsy videos every day, like four minute news videos. No one watches that. Like no one watches online news videos. It's just different the kind of videos people watch and. Like the the whole back to the whole Fox thing. It's like they're just clipping up TV and putting it on their website. That is not the web video you should have. But so Adam, hey, Russ, think, oh Ad- Russ, Russie, hey, like do you guys, Adam? I I don't know if if you go that far in one direction and then you fire the guy, do you expect them to hire somebody who's going to be of the same kind of mindset as Horowitz, who's going to double down on debate style, and this like full video? I think they're so far down this way, Russ, that I don't think one person does this rogue. I think this was agreed upon. Look, they're called Fox, okay? Fox News is the same way. It's Bill O'Reilly. It's Sean Hannity. It's opinions processed. What's up? I said it's not Bill O'Reilly anymore. Yeah, whoever the hell is still there that's not sexually harassing women. Um, But... It's about opinion-based, strong content, strong opinion-based, biased content. That that's what they're obsessed with, and I think that the whatever uh, role he had, he went to someone above him, and they signed off on it. So I think that this is still going to continue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I. The only. Yeah. I mean. I. Yeah. I agree with you. I would say the only. The only difference I see between like the sports and the news is like you have. People still crave that. Like, you know, just use Bill O'Reilly as an example. Like, there are still people who want, who need to see Bill O'Reilly's take of the I, day. Kyle, I guess there are people like that with Coward, I guess. But and I, I and don't Kyle, think it's this as is going to be crazy. This is going to be crazy. But there are a thousand percent people that wake up and go, oh shit, Gordon Hayward signed with the Celtics. I gots to hear what Skip Bayless's take is on this one. Uh, there are right. people. You're right. There are. Yeah. They exist. There are people that when, when Phil Jackson went, I need to hear what Stephen A. Smith has to say. They're the people that, that are behind first take during a live remote. And you're like, <laughs> who the hell wants to sit here for four hours and, 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 and shake their head wearing a LeBron jersey? There, I, there are people that do there are it. people that exist. They yeah, do. I don't understand those people, but they do exist. We that is know. one of my favorite things, watching the to... people behind first take when they're live. Guys, that's literally what happened in November. Is a whole country, half a country went, there's not people that are going to vote for him. And then the other half went, 
You never asked us. Click. You know what I mean? Like we just assume it doesn't because, you know, that's not how we live our lives. But that's where it comes full circle. Before 15 days ago, I would have never understood why anybody wouldn't eat meat. And that's <laughs> That's a good place to... Uh... Yeah, nice. That's a good place to, okay. to call it today. Uh, the, our to last iTunes comment is a one-star review that said we're the worst. So please get on iTunes and give us a five-star review. I promise you we'll read your questions or comments on the show. It's always fun to get to your shit. Uh, and we'll try and get more Twitter on Friday. Kyle will put out a blast Thursday night and we'll make sure to get to it. For Russ, who is Joy on Broad. For Kyle, who is Crossing Broad. Do you have anything else that you guys want to say? I am Adam Lefko at Adam Lefko. Um, no. Uh, no. We missed all of the listeners yes, uh, on Monday, and we will we'll be sure to continue to fill your subscriptions with yes. Russ, it sounds like you also content. missed your microphone. Where the, where the hell are you? Uh, I, I stood up. Oh, okay. You yeah. can't see me. It's it's your favorite moment of the uh, the end of the podcast. Uh, reverse dick pic. Reverse dick pic, okay. Russ. All right, fellas, ladies, whoever's listening, we appreciate you. We'll be back on Friday. Look out for Kyle's tweet on Thursday for questions or hit us up on iTunes with that five-star review. Thanks, guys.